We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drew Holiday steps up in the absence of Derek White. Then Drew Carter, Mike Gorman's heir apparent, joins us for a fun conversation. That's next on Green with Envy. All right, everybody. Solo intro today. Greg Manek is here with you. We're going to start with a morning box score. The Celtics take care of business on the road without Derek White, who is off being a good dad, everybody. Going to see the birth of your of your children. That means you're being a good dad, not a bad teammate. Shout out to Derek and his family. In his stead, Drew Holiday led the Celtics to a 124-114 victory in Brooklyn. For the Nets, they started small, starting all guards and wings. Nick Claxton did not play last night, and the Celtics took advantage. Cam Thomas led the way for the Nets with 27 points, seemingly getting wherever he wanted on the court. Three-pointers, mid-range, floaters. Cam Thomas did what Cam Thomas does. Uh, Mikael Bridges, he struggled in the first half, but he did catch fire in the second half to finish with 19.6 rebounds, four assists, one steal, and one block. Spencer Dinwiddie did Dinwiddie things, shooting eight for 14 from the field. The Nets were on the second night of a back-to-back, and it was pretty obvious that their legs were starting to go towards the end of that game as the Celtics just kept pouring it on and on and on. My favorite thing about the Celtics this year is Drew Holiday getting the ball, pushing it out in transition, and he was great in this game. Uh, For the Celtics, they did have trouble containing the Nets off the bounce without Derek White, um, but their offense didn't miss a beat, scoring 70 points again in the first half. Drew Holiday led the way with an all-around performance, finishing one assist shy of a triple-double. 18 points for Drew, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 block, Four big three-pointers without the second member of the stock exchange. Shout out Richard White. Jason Tatum's early MVP campaign continued with another 30-point double-double. Tatum now has three double-digit rebounding games. The only two were, were when he uh, where he didn't get 10 were games in which he sat the entire fourth quarter. The Celtics have blown out two, appoint, uh, two opponents. 
Jason Tatum sits the fourth quarter. He doesn't get to his 10 rebounds. Greg loses his bet on those days. But if the Celtics are going to be in the game, everybody, Jason Tatum is going to get double-digit rebounds. Continue to bet over 9.5 rebounds for Tatum. Al Horford stepped up as the Celtics' fifth starter with a vintage performance, um, finishing 18 best, plus 29 on the night, including a key still in transition late in the game to seal it for the Seas. Uh, Al also threw down a nice alley-oop off a pass from JB in transition, for which he somehow got a technical foul for hanging on the rim in, I guess, what was a disrespectful way. Uh, really tough night for our girl, Natalie Sago. She seems like the least popular official in the league at this point. If you remember last year, uh, I think it was a, a game in Chicago. It was Mark Davis and Natalie Sago that were, were calling the game. Um, and Grant Williams got kicked out of the game for bumping into an official. That was Natalie Sago. The Celtics and most NBA teams seem to, for whatever reason, not really like how she calls the game. Um, she's really struggling as an official. I hope she figures it out. Um, not a great look for her last night. She made some tough calls. Kristaps Porzingis was dominant from the jump without Nick Claxton to contend in the paint. The Celtics went to him early and often in the restricted area to take advantage of all mismatches. The first play of the game got Kristaps uh, right at the edge of the restricted area for an easy bucket. Second play, same same action. Chris Epps missed the shot, but he was dominant inside. He had some great moments on the defensive end in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had three blocks on the night. I think all of them were in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure about that, but Chris Epps was eight for 10 from the field for 18 points, seven rebounds, and three big blocks. Only one three-pointer from the Unicorn, but it was from the logo, literally from the logo, and it got a great reaction out of our guy, Drew Carter, who is going to be on the second half of this podcast, sitting down with me and Will. Great conversation with Drew, so make sure you stick around for that. At the beginning of that conversation, we talk a little bit about how he got the job. I know he's talked about that um, on a couple different podcasts, but then typical green with envy fashion we just take the conversation in a very fun direction with drew um you're going to hear him do a great ted lasso roy kent impression so uh stick around for the fast break which is at the end of that interview but we talk about Wemby, um we talk about uh Jokic, we talk about the sixers we talk about everything the conversation just goes in all these different places drew is a really good guy super excited that he came on the pod um, and that we're developing that relationship and that he's getting to call these away games, stepping in for the GOAT, Mike Gorman. Um, Drew Carter, thank you again. Jalen Brown, struggled from the floor, but somehow scored seven points in the last three minutes to beat the over-under of 22 and a half, which I thought, honestly, everybody, I thought won me this huge parlay, um, you know, on the edge of my seat in the game where the Celtics were clearly pulling away at the end, but Jalen comes in, it's a, hits a layup, hits two free throws, and he needs a three-pointer. He had that one that went in and out that Chris Stapps tapped back in, but he hits the, the one with like 30 seconds left in the game. And I think I win this big parlay, but then I find out that Drew Holiday's steal was actually credited to Sam Hauser, which makes sense. Sam got the deflection, Drew recovered the ball, but I kind of thought it was the person who recovered the ball, not the person who had the initial deflection. I thought maybe Drew would have got that steal. Um, my parlay last night, I had Tatum over 28.5, Tatum over 9.5 boards, Jalen over 22.5, Holiday with a block and a steal, and Bridges with a block 
$5 to win $240. NBA, I need to speak with your statisticians. I need to figure out the rules on that. Um, anyways, Jalen had a few nice passes, finished with four assists. He had that great uh, lob to Al in the fourth quarter. That I mentioned earlier, he also had a really nice lob to Chris Stapps running directly at the rim. And uh, Chris Stapps, I thought he was going to throw it down Wemby style with the reverse, but he just went with a regular dunk. Um, super excited, by the way, for whenever the Celtics do get to play the Spurs. Um, I'm pretty sure Will and I are going to be in attendance for that New Year's Eve with our lovely fiancés and seeing Chris Stapps versus Wemby. It's going to be fun. The one thing I want to see more than anything is just uh, them standing next to each other because these pictures of Wemby, oh my God. Sometimes you think he's seven foot eight. Sometimes he looks a little bit more normal, um, but the pictures standing next to Kevin Durant were insane. Kevin Durant, by all accounts, is seven feet tall, and Wemby, I think, had him by an entire head. So uh, Chris Stapps, who's listed at seven three, Wemby's listed at seven four. We'll see when they stand next to each other. How tall is Wemby? How tall is Chris Stapps? We will find out when the Celtics play the Spurs. Uh, for the Celtics bench, Sam Hauser had two steals and a three, but the real story was Luke Cornett. I was all out on Luke playing big minutes this year off the bench. Um, I thought he looked awful in the preseason and even worse in limited minutes this year. I was really advocating for more Lamar Stevens, more O'Shea Brissett. Um, if Luke, you know, if we needed the size, Luke is going to get those reps and I, I was advocating still for Luke to get reps against big size um, but Kata is always going to be there as an option you know he's the backup quarterback so to speak for the backup big in this situation where everyone's going to think that he is um, you know better than he is until he gets to prove it on the floor but Luke has Kata there for you know Celtics diehards to think what could happen if Luke Cornett was not the Celtics third big but he put all the haters uh, uh, you know the rest last night Luke was awesome. He was great in the pick and roll with Drew Holiday. Uh, he ran a nice pick and roll with Peyton Pritchard at one point. And he just ran the floor hard and with purpose. That's one thing that I need to see out of Luke on the offensive side of the ball with the Celtics, um, you know, push to, to push the ball in transition. Luke's got to be able to get up and down the court. And I think he did a really good job with that last night. He did have a few moments where Dayron shot uh, bodied him, but for the most part, Luke earned a few more minutes this year, and he earned uh, Greg Menakis to shut the hell up advocating for more Lamar Stevens. Luke Cornett, you played a great game. He was a perfect 5-for-5 five five from the field, finishing with 11 points and 7 rebounds. Um, other other takeaways from the night, you know, if you look at the, the Celtics box score here as a team, uh, 11 blocks for the Celtics at one point late in the second half. The Celtics hadn't forced any turnovers, but they really ratcheted up the defense so let's see they finished with four steals. i'm sorry they had six blocks four steals so 10 10 stocks for the stock exchange i know that's only applied to drew holiday and uh, Derek white but forgive me we had 50 rebounds total uh got to the line 27 times great night from the line for the celtics 23 for 27 85 percent from the field um three pointers shot 45 three-pointers, 15 for 45, 33%. But, you know, when I look at that, Jalen had, he was two for 11. He had a bunch of threes that went in and out. So that very easily could have been 18 for 45. Love seeing Tatum shooting three-pointers at a high clip to start the season. He was six for 10. 
Uh, Drew Holiday, as I mentioned, four for nine. Peyton Pritchard, 0 for four. O'Shea Brissett, one for four. O'Shea, let's see you tacking, attacking the rim just a little bit more there. But O'Shea was okay in his 10 minutes off the bench. You know, we don't need O'Shea to do much other than crash the glass and uh, be aggressive. We'd like to see more from Peyton Pritchard. You know, another game where he didn't really make an impact in the scoring department. He played almost 20 minutes. He was 0 for four from the field. Uh, he did have two assists, you know, that that assist I mentioned in the pick and roll to Luke Cornett was a really high level read in the pick and roll. Um, Joe Mazzulla's glasses, you know, I know it was because he had eye irritation last night, but I think Joe Mazzulla consider sticking with that look. You know, it, it, you're a different breed anyway, Joe, just like lean into that a little bit more. Uh, but overall, I thought the Celtics were great in this game. Um, the first half, notwithstanding, the first half, it seemed like they had a lot of trouble adjusting to not having Derek White on the court, uh, to the Nets going completely small and committing to that and just shooting a lot of three-pointers. How many threes did the Nets shoot last night? They shot 52. You know, it's not very often you see a team shoot more three-pointers than the Celtics. They only hit 17 of those threes, but that really kept them in the game. You know, they were firing away Royce O'Neal. He kind of killed them two for 13, pretty much wide open all night on those three pointers. Um, if you look at the, you know, you look at the Nets and you see Mikhail Bridges, Royce O'Neill, Dorian Finney Smith, Cam Thomas, Spencer Dinwiddie against a Celtics lineup that has, that goes seven, three, six, nine, six, nine, six, 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 four. Um, you know, we're going to win most of that. And, you know, the, the Celtics were what? They were plus eight on the boards last night. We had, 10 offensive rebounds, um, you know, 10 offensive rebounds as well. Dorian Finney-Smith was crashing the glass. They were on sharp had three. But I thought the Celtics, you know, they showed they were the better team throughout. Um, uh, initially, I was a little bit worried because of how many three-pointers the Nets were putting up there. I'm not a big proponent in basketball as math, but I did think that um, Jacques Vaughn came out with a good plan, second night of a back-to-back. They were doing their very best to uh, hang with the Celtics, who are world beaters, even though they were Sons, um, Derek White, dad for a second time. All right. Well, that's going to do that for this uh, morning box score, this intro to the real meat of this episode. Drew Carter joins Will Weir and Greg Menakis here on Green with Envy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Joining us today for the first time on the Green with Envy podcast. If his voice doesn't sound familiar yet, don't worry. It's going to sound very, very familiar in the near future. Joining us today, the heir apparent to the Mike Gorman throne. It is the one and only Drew Carter. Drew, how you doing, man? What's happening, fellas? I'm great. I'm glad we could make this happen. You know, we were discussing this before we started recording, but Amin has been on four times, we think. So got a long way to go, but it's a long season. So Amina, don't you worry. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for that record. (laughs) I like that. We're chopping that clip and we're sending it to her right after this. That's the first thing that we're going to do. But but man, I'm I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, Doing some research here. I feel like one thing that I'm going to put out there that, that gets brought up a lot you're pretty young for your position, right? That's that's something that 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 I think gets brought up fairly often. You're 26 years old, 26. correct? 26. Yeah. 26 year old, graduated from Syracuse 2019. So so let's just start here. When did the conversation first start with NBC Sports Boston kind of you getting on their radar and then them approaching you uh, about this opportunity, which is unique in the sense that there's this year long transition where you're going to be doing all the road games while Mike takes kind of his victory lap as well deserved being the announcer of the Celtics since 1981 uh, doing all the home games. You know, how does that conversation come about and then ultimately come together for, for what we have now? Well, first of all, let me just preface this with a couple things. Number one, you know, I know Celtics fans love talking about how young people are. Jason Tatum is still 19, right? So <laughs> I, I expected people to, to bring up the age thing, and, and, and I get it. You know, Mike is a complete legend, and I think a lot of people probably said, you know, when that press release came out, like, who the F is this guy? Right. I mean, who, who does this guy think he is essentially being, as you said, the heir apparent to, to Mike Gorman? Um, and I would just say this, like, I hope people get used to me because I plan to be doing this job for as long as I possibly can. Like I plan to hopefully one day retire as the voice of the Celtics. And I said, I'm coming for Amina. Maybe I'll be coming for Mike as well. Maybe I can get the 43 <laughs> or 44 year and, and that would be really cool. Uh, but no, the job is amazing. And I, I still can't fully grasp the fact that that it actually happened. You know, it, it's, it's insane. I never really expected to get it, even when the process started, just to give you a bit of an idea of the timeline. Um, you know, Mike had, had told people that this was going to be his final season. I can't remember exactly when that went public, but you know, the people at NBC sports Boston knew. And so they started to put together a plan for how they wanted to move forward. And so I, I heard from them for the first time in the late spring, I think of, of 2023, I had an interview with a couple guys from the the TV station. One of them is Kevin Miller, who's like the coordinating producer um, and basically a big cheese. And then there's Paul Lucy, who's our producer on the shows and does an amazing job. And so Paul, along with Jim Edmonds, the director, those are kind of the two guys running the show for every single game broadcast you see. And then Kevin is uh, one of the guys who's kind of over the station on a big picture perspective. So anyway, had an interview with those two guys, thought it went really well, really enjoyed chatting with them. Um, but in that moment, I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm sure they're talking to hundreds of people. This is a prestigious job and there's no way I could get this. I mean, shoot. So anyway, fast forward about a month or so, Scal and I did an audition together. And it was funny when, uh, when Kevin, who I just mentioned, emailed me to say, would you be free on this day to come in for a demo? 
he had CC'd my agent on there. And I respond, I replied all, and I'm like, all caps, yes, like three exclamations. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, let's go. Thank <laughs> you so much. And my agent, who's also named Kevin, hit me and he's like, hey, uh, glad you're excited, but let's maybe act like we've been here before. You know, and I'm like, but dude, I haven't. This is got to got to play it like the poker table, right? Yeah. Not put all your cards in the chip so early. You got to play it cool. You know, you can't be too eager. But I, I was, and and um, I, again, I still didn't expect to get it. I was just happy to have an opportunity to go in there and work with Scal and meet everybody. Um, spent a day at the studio. Thought it went really, really well. Um, Scal and I did the demo, and he's the man, and we hit it off from the jump. We got to. What was do... that first impression like with Scal? Well, I was like. Can I swear on this? Of course. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, fuck that, lie. This is the white. <laughs> this is the white. Like I, I've loved that guy for a long time, and and I mean the the clip of him at the post game in two thousand eight, where he was saying, where he was like holding the trophy, I think, and he was soaked in champagne and saying, you know, in ten years my kids will think I average double digits, and then in twenty years I'll be a starter, <laughs> thirty years I'll be the MVP. Like to me, that's one of the funniest and. Honestly, most insightful moments I've ever seen in a presser, and I've never thought, I've never forgot about that. So, anyway, Scal and I, we we got along great right from the start. We called the game six of the second round series at Philly. So we did that audition. That was where Tatum. I don't think he scored in the first three quarters, and then went crazy in the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. came back to win. And that was, it was just fun to be there for that game. Uh, and so that happened in in mid May. Again, thought it went well, but. Didn't have any expectations. So we kind of stayed in touch with people from the the station for the rest of the summer. Then I had an interview with president of the team. At that point, I was like, okay, there can't be that many people doing this. So I started to get my hopes up, but tried to keep it reasonable. A few weeks after that, they offered me the job. I actually, guys, had just re-signed at ESPN, so I I wasn't even sure if contractually it would work out. But what Mm. I told my bosses at ESPN is, look, we would not be asking for this if it were basically any other job, like this is quite literally my dream job. And so they signed off on it and we basically announced it, I think like a couple days before the first preseason game. And of course everyone was like, like I said, who is this guy? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, man. When, when I heard that you got the job, like I, I looked up a couple of your clips. I was like, Oh, he's got a pretty cool voice. Like I want, I wonder what this is going to be like. I tuned into the preseason game and I thought you killed it. And I think you've been killing it up until this point. And you mentioned that immediate kind of connection with Scal. First question, do we get to like hear a released leaked footage from the game six? Does that, does that tape <laughs> exist out there? Cause I want to hear that. I hope it does somewhere. I got to hit up the folks from NBC sports Boston. There, there are some funny clips in there. Like, I've learned, guys, the the best way to endear myself to Boston fans is to just shit on James Harden as much as possible. <laughs> Take shots at the Sixers. and Like, when we play the Mavs, Kyrie Irving is going to catch some strays. You already know. Because people will love that. But I hope it is out there somewhere, Greg. We can find that. No, uh, that's great, man. And the the scal thing, you know, it's interesting. I I don't know what like coming in. I'm I'm you do your research, so I'm sure you're aware that he's a little bit of a polarizing figure amongst amongst Celtics fans after replacing Tommy Hansen. Like you're filling Mike's shoes, he's filling Tommy's shoes. It's tough, right? So what I've really enjoyed so far is the banter between you and Scal. You know, with him and Mike, it they they work it out. 
you know, the broadcasts have have their own rhythm. But you guys kind of seem to have clicked right off the bat. And it's actually been very enjoyable. I hit up a bunch of my buddies and I was like, hey, got Drew Carter on the show tomorrow. Like, get, be honest with me. What are your first impressions? And not one of them had anything negative to say about you, which is right. huge. That's not true. Not many. That, that's yeah. dude, I, <laughs> I'm, 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 in, I'm in the chat, so I can confirm. I can confirm. All right. <laughs> not one that. negative thing. No one said, like, anything overwhelmingly positive, but the fact <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, like, <laughs> Good. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the fact that they didn't say anything negative is huge. Yeah. Um, but you and Scal, man, like, tell me a little bit about how that um, relationship has has continued to build because it almost seems like there's like a big brother, little brother type ribbing yeah. that's going on. No, that that's a good way to put it, man. I mean, I, I like I really like the guy. To me, I think he's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. And what I really like about Scal too is he's the same guy on the air as he is off the air. He just he just translate that to the broadcast and. Clearly, the guy didn't go to like broadcasting school. He's not a nerd like I am, because if you listen to the highlights and I actually think this makes the broadcast better, he's basically calling some of the plays himself. Like I I was watching some of the highlights from that Wizards game we called where Jalen Brown, a.k.a. El Fuego, made eight threes. (laughs) And he's like, oh, my God, like he's he's calling it before I am. But I think that that actually makes it more entertaining because it does sort of feel like you're watching the game on the couch with your buddy. And, you know, I, I do think that the, you want to make it feel like you're sitting on the couch watching the game with someone is a pretty cliched and like overused way that people talk about how they want broadcasters to sound. But I do think with Scal, it, it feels right. Cause that's how I feel sitting next to him. And, and we're just chopping it up, having fun. And, you know, th- it's interesting cause he's been doing it for a couple years. And I know, like you said, he replaced Tommy and I can actually lean on him for advice. I think on, how to replace a legend because he lived it just a couple of years ago, but he's been doing this for a couple of years. He obviously played for the team, won a championship. People know him. And so I, I'm still trying to find that balance of, you know, being deferential to him, but also being like we are off the air and like giving each other shit. And the, the El yeah. Fuego thing only happened because I felt comfortable enough with him. And granted, we, we, we have not known each other for that long. Like, I think we've, we've hit it off from, from the start. Like I said, but we haven't known each other for that long. So I kind of took a risk by being like, dude, do you not know Spanish at all? You just said the fire. <laughs> and this was on the air. And then I, I think I corrected him on something else. And he's like, so it's going to be like that for the rest of the season. And I'm like, yeah, if that's cool with you. I, but but one I thing think it sets a good precedent, though. Yeah, I, I hope so. And one thing he has said is, you know, if he's super nice to somebody, it means he doesn't like them. Like if he's giving them <laughs> a hard time and ribbing them a little bit, that's a good sign. So I think that's positive in the uh, early goings here. And that's kind of funny because even though Scal's not an actual Bostonian, he's kind of an adopted Bostonian, yeah. and that is very much the the Boston culture. If you're giving shit, you're taking shit back and forth, like that's a good sign. When they're indifferential and they're just you know trying to be polite, ignoring you, that that means they don't they don't care. Right. right. Like, so I, I totally I think that really actually connects with the Boston audience that that you all are speaking to. And, and you mentioned a word in there that I, I think is really interesting, which was was this balance. Right. This balance of, you know, Scal kind of using his big personality on the broadcast and then how you kind of balance that out with also your, you know, your professional technical skill set that you have and the chemistry. And, you know, I'll say this, you know, I. Uh, I went to Bridgewater State for a couple of years. I have a very limited experience being a play-by-play guy for a little bit uh, while I was in college. And despite what everyone on Twitter will tell you, this job is incredibly fucking hard. 
like it was for you know the two or three times that i tried doing it all this is in the 2008 so maybe the early days of trying to live stream a d3 women's college basketball game yes. there was maybe there, three parents watching and yeah. four people buffering the entire time right. watching pixelated uh basketball so you know not many people got to hear it but it was really really difficult to find whatever the balance was supposed to be and i didn't know what the hell i was doing so for a professional like you working in a new relationship with scal what is that balance or how do you go about trying to find that balance between the two of you and then also letting the odd or letting the crowd that you're experiencing that we can't necessarily see and feel the same way at home how do you know when to maybe even lay out and bring that in because it's just there's so many things going on well, first of all, Will, I can relate to you because I did UAB women's basketball on conferenceusa.tv slash plus.com or something. And it was, a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long URL. Yeah. Ours was the same way. My man, it was a $7.99 per month subscription. And I'm like, how do you, how you, could you charge for this? This is the lowest quality <laughs> shit of all time. And I love doing it. And the people were great to me, but I, I feel you on that. Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. I was actually thinking about this last night. I think the local show, as opposed to the national show, gives you a chance to really let people in on the relationship, I think. Um, like I said, calling a game with Scal, to me, does feel like just sitting on the couch and watching it with him. And it's been that way since, you know, mid-May when we called that that dummy Sixers game together as a demo. And I think on the local show, there's such a relationship between the announcer and the fan. And to me, that's... You might have heard me talk about this before, but like that's one of the reasons I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I was actually pretty nervous coming into this job. And Scalos really helped me and, and Abby as well. And everyone working behind the scenes has really helped me chill out a little bit and just, you know, kind of do what I do. But I know how important the announcers are and that relationship is to the fan base. And so I think the the more that you get to really talk to the audience through the camera, as opposed to treating it like a broadcast, the more you treat it like a conversation. I think the better. And so when you're doing a national show, there there is a little bit of a separation of church and state there. I mean, there's a little bit more, I guess, professionalism would be the right word. Not to say we're unprofessional, but I just think we're a little bit more casual. You know, we don't wear ties. It's more like, uh, let's all hang out and watch the Celtics together, as opposed to like, let me button everything up and let me get every single nugget I can get into this game. And, you know, I got to make sure I'm fully prepped. And again, not to say we're not treating it like a professional show, but it's just a little bit more laid back. And I think that gives us a chance to be even more of ourselves on the air than we would be otherwise. And, and again, Scal and Abby make that really easy because I really like those people off the air as well. And I hope they would say the same about me. Yeah, I think that tone is so important. And like we can kind of relate, honestly, just doing the podcast that we do because we're not reporters, right? We're fans. And when you listen to like the beat writer pods or whatnot, versus our pod, it has a completely different tone. And I think that's why, you know, some fans will gravitate more towards our podcast just because of the ability, like we get feedback all the time, like, oh, it feels like we're just hanging out with you guys. And I think that's so important to Boston fans. I think that's really cool, man. But I want to transition into uh, talking about your relationship with the team at this point, because there was a great clip that came out, Paul Pierce, um, you know, everyone's doing, um, you know, the tributes to Mike or whatnot. And he was talking about his relationship with Mike Gorman, how he said he would go up every game when he was a player and he would talk to Mike about the team. He would ask him like for insight, what he's seeing from, from the broadcasting point of view. I was just wondering what it's been like for you um, 
developing relationships with the players and whether or not they've welcomed you with open arms. I have not had uh, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown ask me what what I think of the team yet. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe one day that would be cool. Uh, no, that's I mean that's such an awesome story. Like being we're not part of the team, but it does sort of feel like we're you know the extras, I guess, in this cast which is, is really neat. And that's part of the reason I'm so excited about the job is to feel like part of a team. You know, I, I was the voice of a team in minor league baseball and that was awesome, but this is obviously a little bit different. And so traveling with the team and getting a chance to hang out with them has been really cool already. And, you know, I'm still the new guy. So again, I'll go back to that word balance. Like I really want to get to know these people and, you know, I don't maybe even call some of them friends one day, but I also know that, you know, there is separation there. So trying to walk that line right now, but I, I've gotten a chance to talk to a few of them, like Sfimi Hiluk during the preseason, O'Shea Brissett. He and I were in college at the same time together at, at Syracuse, so that's been cool. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is like one of the happiest dudes I've ever been around. He's he's always <laughs> smiling. People are trying to take photos. It's actually funny to watch him operate in public because when you're going, when you're leaving the team hotel, like, Celtics fans, and I'm saying this in the nicest way, are a little crazy. So they figure <laughs> out where the team is staying and, you know, they go out there and they want to take some photos and autographs. And it just comes from a love of the team, which is incredible. But, you know, there are some security people with the team and I think they're, you know, dubious. They're doing their job. They're always looking around like they've got their earpiece in what's happening here. <laughs> um, and so for Porzingis, like people want to come up and take selfies with him. And I'm just watching the security guys like. Is this one okay? Like, what's the threat level here? And Porzingis just like, yeah, man, like, we'll take a photo. And he's like ready to go and smiling. Um, every time he gets on the bus, he's giving people, you know, fist bumps. And, you know, so the players, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know. But again, I, I, I want to do it in the right way uh, with, with feel, I guess, not trying to force it and, mm -hmm. you know, be best friends with them right away. I think in time that will happen. The people I, I feel like I've become pretty friendly with are, you know, Mike Zarin, the GM, we, he and I have had some good conversations. We sort of sit by each other on the bus sometimes. Uh, Brad Stevens is the man. Like, you would have no idea how famous that guy is just from talking to him. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed my interactions with the people from the team. And like I said, like, pretty nervous taking this job. And and I, I, I really I want to fit in. I want people to accept me. And those people have made me feel at home right away. In your, uh, in your conversations with Brad Stevens, has he – given you any nuggets of, of insight that you feel like you can then bring to the broadcast? Whew. I don't know if, if it's uh safe for air here. I don't know if there's anything. Like, <laughs> it's a front office secret. No, I mean, it's, it's more like talking about the landscape of the NBA. I find that stuff really interesting. Um, like Tyrese Halliburton. I think we were talking about him, you know, obviously we talk about Jokic. Uh, someone on the bus said that, they think Jokic is the best NBA player since early Miami LeBron. And I found, mm -hmm. I found that interesting. So I, like that take. So I, I actually asked Brad about that and he was like, he thought about it for a little bit. He was like, well, second Cleveland LeBron was pretty damn good too. Mm -hmm. uh, but he see, I think he, he agreed with that, that Jokic was the best player. So it's, it's more stuff like that. And then with Mike Zarin, who I mentioned, there was one point where they asked us from NBC Sports Boston, they asked us to put together a bold predictions column, or really just it was more like a predictions for the season column. And one, the thing I put in there for storyline I was most interested to watch was 
the front court depth, like who steps up as the third big. And because I did those those preseason games, I'm like, give me Namish Kade, man. I love this guy. Like, let's elevate him <laughs> from a two-way. I want him to play 20 minutes a night. And so someone clipped a quote from that where I said, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get elevated from two-way to full-time. And I was like, man, I hope, like, I hope I got my CBA knowledge right there. You know, like, I hope that's even possible. So I actually saw Mike Zarin before a game. And I'm like, hey, man, check out this tweet. Like, does this look right? Or did I mess this up? He's like, yeah, that's that's technically right. I would have said converted from a two-way, not elevated. But <laughs> but yeah, that that's right. So developing those relationships has been fun already. That's awesome, man. And so what are your impressions of the team? Let's talk, let's talk about the team a little bit, oh, man. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, insanely talented. <sighs> off the jump the 155 they just dropped on the pacers head is just insane you know i was listening to uh i was listening to the mismatch pod and they were talking about like how many um did you listen to the mismatch by any way that's a ringer chris vernon yeah yes yeah koc who's a boston guy as well koc yeah that's good stuff him and chris vernon right yeah that's right yep yikes Talk about two <laughs> franchises going in different directions. They haven't won yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're still there's I think they're 0 and 5 right now, is what I believe they're at. Yeah, it's a it's a rough start for our guy, Poor uh, for our guy Marcus Smart out there, which by yeah. the way, I kind of feel like from a linguistic perspective, you're Marcus Smart. We now have Drew Cotta. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's a, a little bit of the trade-off part of this. Dude, well. you checked out this Drew Cotta kid yet? <laughs> Do you, you like him? I Do almost, like him? true story, Drew, when we knew we were going to have you on, I ran this by Greg, and he was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't start the interview this way. But I was thinking about, and you even kind of said it, which is why I started laughing. You were like, I bet when I got this job, people were like, who the F is Drew Carter? <laughs> yeah. And I actually told Greg, I'm, I'm curious if this would be funny or not if I just started the interview. Let's start off with a very basic question. Tell us, who the fuck is Drew Cotter? I just thought about like starting it like that to try to set kind of a tone. Gre- Greg talked me out of it, but but now that once right when you said that, I was like, oh, we kind of started it that way, yeah. anyways. You should have Greg. Don't listen to Will, man. Or Will, don't listen to Greg. Don't don't take advice. Don't take advice from Greg. That's that's good, man. That literally sounds like I'm in Goodwill Hunting and Ben Affleck is talking to me. Well, see, the thing is, and I don't think we had a chance to tell you this, Greg and I live in Texas now. We, we grew up in Boston. We're from Dorchester. We, we grew up there our whole lives. We've lived in Texas for the last 10, 11 years. So it's most of our accent is gone. But when we need to turn it on or when we go back home, we, we still got it in, in the, you know, in the holster if we need to pull it out. You dip right back into it. I'm impressed. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, when we go back home, you know, visit our buddies back in Dorchester, a couple beers in, the the accent is out. But, you know, it's funny. We actually, um, so same neighborhood as Mike Gorman. Yeah. Same high school as Mike Gorman. And we haven't had Mike Gorman on the show. Mike, you want me to text him? <laughs> yeah. He'll might have. He'll probably hear me back, this is the link back at like 1 a.m. The guy's a night owl. He, he sends me <laughs> stuff like real late at night. Uh, what's funny, guys, is uh, speaking of the press release where people probably said like, who the F is this guy? It said I have Boston roots in there. And one of those is my grandma, my dad's mom, is from Dorchester. So we have okay. we right. have that in common. But I don't have do the know, accent, so, obviously. <laughs> do you know which uh, part of Dorchester she's from? So normally it's broken up into parishes, more or less. Like people refer to it by like, oh, I'm from St. Anne's Parish. I'm from St. Brendan's. I'm from St. Gregory's. Okay. This is really good. <laughs> Like, this is good intel. I need this stuff. Uh, Grammy B, born and raised in Dorchester. I'm looking for the parish in which she grew up. This is a text from my dad (laughs) and school she attended. She graduated 1942 from Dorchester High School for Girls. 
So okay, my grandmother actually went there. So maybe, maybe, maybe they were there at the same time. You never know. You never know. Look at this, Will. Look at this connection. We are we are making some serious connections here. Anyway, what were they saying on the mismatch, Greg? Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, we. Oh no, no, no. We were. Um, they they were talking about just like the the sheer amount of points that the Celtics put up in the game, and they were like, "I wonder if that's ever been done before. Like, what's the highest uh, point total in NBA history?" So, what do you like being courtside? What does this offense look like in person? I mean, it, I'm like speechless. It, like, have you ever seen the the uh, Vince McMahon meme where he's like, I think it's from the Andre the Giant documentary. He's like, oh, he was special. He was special. <laughs> you see the tears <laughs> in his eyes. Yeah. That, that's how I feel watching the Celtics play. And it's not just the offense, it's the defense too. You know, I, in that, that bold predictions thing I mentioned, I, I, my bold prediction was that the Celtics will lead the NBA in offensive rating and defensive rating, which has never been done before. Those efficiency metrics have been tracked since 1996-97. And the closest anyone's ever come was death era warrior death lineup era warriors were first on offense and second on defense one year, and then they flipped it another year. And then the Celtics last year were second in both. And and I really think, yeah, I really think that they could do it this year. Obviously, if if they care enough about the regular season, which we know is not the priority, you know, as, as excited as we all are about the four and start, we know when the the real season begins for a team that's always in the Eastern conference finals, at least lately. Um, but with that being said, it is incredibly exciting. Like I, I just think the pieces fit so well and it's really cool guys to have high expectations for something that you really haven't seen before. Like this is still new working these guys in the team was great last year and they made a ton of changes. It wasn't blow it up territory, but it was probably, it was a level below that. It was like Mach two, you know, in terms of blowing it up, not Mach one. And so I think that for the pieces to work together so well is really encouraging. Um, And you look at the NBA, I, I think like typically aside from the 2008 Celtics, obviously when you put superstars together, it tends to take a year and then, Year two is when they get over the hump. With the Celtics team, I think Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday count as stars. And their seamless fit has been amazing to watch. And it makes sense. I mean, those guys could probably fit in playing with the Monstars. Like, they they could fit in anywhere because they're good shooters. They're good defenders. I think their personality is such that they're not going to have egos when it comes to how many shots they're getting. So they know, like, there's no illusion. There are two guys here who are the top two options in Jason and Jalen. We know that. And so for them to come in and fit in has been really, really fun to watch. And, like, Kristaps had a huge game earlier in the season. He had a 30-point game. Drew Holiday has been one of my favorite players for a long time, and I think he is my favorite player to watch on the Celtics because he does so many little things that lead to winning. He and Derek White are the same kind of player where, you know, aside from Derek White's dad tweeting out the advanced metrics about how he's really helping the team win. (laughs) Like you could miss a lot of the stuff he does if you're not really watching it closely. And so those guys, the the mesh has just been immediate Uh, and it's been incredible to watch. And like, obviously in an 82 game regular season, you'll have ups and downs, but the team looks right now, I'm not saying they are, but the team looks like invincible at the moment. 
Yeah, and I mean, right now they're one of, of two undefeated teams still left. The Mavericks, who Greg and I completely dismissed in the preseason, yes. have somehow still co- found a way to to not lose a game yet. But as you look ahead, so we're recording this here on a Friday morning in advance of a three-game road trip that the Celtics, Andrew, are about to take here. Brooklyn, Minnesota, Philly coming up. You know, I feel like I keep seeing a lot now because to your point that you just made, it feels like you're invincible. Now it's an 82 game season. We know there's going to be a dip at some point. Inevitably something's going to happen, but you look at just kind of these, these next stretch of games here. And as you're getting set to number one, call these games and you're looking to compare the Celtics against other teams in the NBA. Like how are you sizing up this team in the most immediate stresses they have coming up here? Well, I'm trying not to be reactionary, Will, but I do think the Celtics should be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. They were coming into the season, depending on where you looked and depending on if you like playing games of chance. It was either the Celtics or the Bucks as the favorites in the East. And I think we, and I'm going to say we, because I I love the team, I think we have looked a lot better than Milwaukee. You know, the, the stuff about concerns with fit in Boston and how it's really non-existent with the guys they brought in, To me, the concerns with Milwaukee's fit have been legit. Like, they don't play any defense, on the perimeter at least. And Dame has been really hot and cold. I think he'll settle in a little bit more. Giannis got off to a horrible start in the first few games, and he's obviously going to figure it out. But I think the Celtics, you have to say they're the favorites in the East at this point, even though it's still early. Then you got Denver. And and Denver's like the, the elephant in the room here. As excited as we are about the Celtics, the Nuggets actually look, even better than they did last year. And and speaking, yeah. you know, talking about the personality of the guys the Celtics brought in and the personality of their top two players, how I think it leads to a business-like atmosphere. To me, that's what you have in Denver as well. I mean, Nikola Jokic didn't give a shit that he won finals MVP. He was like, I want to get back to Serbia. Fuck this. Like, let's have an offseason <laughs> and then I'll come back and kick everyone's ass again next year. So there is no bullshit with that team. And, and I, I think that if, you know, obviously, if I had to make a pick right now, I would say Celtics Nuggets, you know, four or five games into the season. But I, I don't really know what you do with Jokic to slow him down as good as the Celtics have been right. defensively. So that's like at the top of the league. I think we're set up for a potentially epic showdown, but that would obviously be months and months away. Right now, on more of a micro scale, I'm really excited to play the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey, guys, is averaging over 30 points per game at this point of the season. And he's one of those dudes where if you if you talk to people who really love the NBA and they're like, you know, knee deep in this stuff every day, they'll tell you, dude, Tyrese Maxey has been ready for this for a couple of years. Even Sam Cassell, who was with the Sixers, he was saying the same thing. Like, this guy is ready for more responsibility. And now that they have escaped from the James Harden shadow, which, by the way, what are the Clippers doing? That's another thing we can talk about <laughs> NBA perspective, but what are the Clippers doing? Now that they've escaped from James Harden, I think that team is dangerous, man. And and I look at the East, and with like I said, with Milwaukee's struggles out of the gate, Cleveland and New York, it just feels like they're a tier below. But the Sixers now, I think they're dangerous. So I'm really excited to see them. Plus, we get them in Philly. So, you know, mm-hmm. you would think that gives them a little bit of an edge, and I just cannot wait for that game. So how much NBA you're actually able to watch? Well, I have League Pass, so like this stuff is I mean, this stuff is like crack, you know. Like like Worldwide Wob has that meme he tweets out with I think it's Elmo or so. It's like a meme where yeah, I seen the one you know what I'm talking about, about yep. with the spoon and just the NBA logo. But he needs more of it. Like that's that's how I feel about it too. So I get a chance to watch a decent amount. 
Have you seen Wemby yet? Brother. <laughs> so like you said, <laughs> we're recording this on a Friday morning. Last night was when he went for 38 and led them to back-to-back wins in Phoenix. I mean, yeah. dude, insane. Did, did you watch the game live? Yeah, I saw some of it live, and then I watched the highlights this morning. But, dude, he, I, he's I it, could not. It doesn't make any sense. I, 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 when, I'm, when I'm sitting there watching this kid, he's 19 years old, first of all, and he just outplayed Kevin Durant yeah. and Devin Booker, yeah. who came back. The fourth quarter, you know, Devin Vassell is out in the second half. They just entrust everything to Wemby in the fourth quarter. The The Suns were down 20, made this huge comeback, and then they Wemby was just like, nah, I got this. Yeah, you know, Wemby like, closed it out, which was the crazy part. Dude, he does it in all these different ways. And I'm, apologies for the for the Wemby tangent, because I do want to talk about the Sixers and all that. Yeah. But, you know, when you were talking about all these guys around the league, like Wemby, I, I think that's the conversation that people are most interested in at this point in the year. It's just like, what is this kid going to be? And I didn't think anybody saw a 38-point dominant performance over the Suns after he just played them, and you would expect them to make adjustments to Wemby. Instead, he made adjustments to the Suns, which is just crazy. But he gets the ball on on the left block, you know, turns over turns over that right shoulder, left hand dunk yeah. on Eubanks' face. Then he cuts up, you know, off, off a little wedge screen to the elbow, hits the jump shot, gets Eubanks, Eubanks in isolation at the top, hits him with a little rocker, yeah. one dribble to his left, three-pointer. Like, what, what am I are watching? we watching here, man? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It actually doesn't compute in your brain. It, it does look like you're watching an alien because this, this stuff is just – never been done before the play that i go back to is he was like he's in the middle of the lane he's right around the restricted area and someone is just like f it Wemby down there somewhere and floats it toward the basket and he's like getting shielded off almost by someone who's like boxing him out from a lob and he just reaches right over the top of him flicks it i think it was booker down low and it didn't even look like he knew what he was reaching up to grab right Right. like it 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 didn't make it didn't make sense visually i had to replay the same the same moment you're talking yeah and and he he doesn't even have to finish an alley-oop to make a great play he just swipes at it and it lands right in his teammate's hands who's probably like what and then like lays it in because again this (laughs) this stuff it's like playing with an amazing passer i'm sure this is how it was like playing with rondo like you just have to always keep your eyes up because you never know when the ball is going to come to you. I think the surprising thing about Wemby so far, like we knew what he was going to do protecting the rim. We've seen the highlights of him shooting and the ball handling, but the passing has been good. Like those are the plays that I'm most interested in, you know, when he's moving it. Cause the guy he's open every single time he touches the ball, he's seven foot four. He can basically dunk from the three point line, but for him to keep other guys involved at the age of 19, it's it's amazing. And they went, I mean, dude, they went twice in a row in, in Phoenix. They did not look very good at the start of the year. Like they they started one and two, and you're like, and Wemby's gonna be inconsistent because he's so young. And the rest of the roster is not good. And that's being generous for, for the NBA. You know, like these guys are professional <laughs> yeah. basketball players, but if you're trying to stack up the rest of their roster, it's gotta be one of the five worst in the league. And he especially how deep the NBA is. Yeah, right dude, now. and he's dragging them to wins. Like it's insane. It's actually terrifying is what it is. We get them on so New Year's Eve in San Antonio, by the way, which I've had more on the calendar. We will, and Drew, I have a sneaking suspicion that Will and I's fiancés are going to be buying us tickets as Christmas presents, so we'll probably be in attendance. we got to come say what's up. <laughs> yes, yes. We've been dropping some subtle hints of like, hey, guys, Christmas is pretty easy around here in Austin. Just uh, you two got to you know coordinate a little bit here, and we'll uh, we'll make this work. But that, that did make me start thinking, though. I'm, I'm curious, and let's remove Wem because we just we just talked about him. 
who is the the team and or player that you're most excited to experience you know making that call you know during you're going to be you're the road guy this year yeah. right so the road trips are all you so so what road environment or road player are you most looking forward to seeing well let's stay in your new adopted home state of texas luca is the one i really want to see in person and you know a couple weeks ago i was hanging out with some of my buddies one of them is noah eagle who uh, you might know the yep. name. He's he does NBC football. His dad's Ian Eagle, and they they, they both they both do uh, Nets coverage, I believe. Yeah, right? his dad. I I hate to be this guy, Will, but his dad actually says his name Ian Eagle. It's like Ian Iron Eagle. without okay. the R. Yeah, it's <laughs> rookie it's, mistake. It's, no, 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 no. I know, I know. Dude, it's not because everyone makes the same mistake, and Ian himself will tell you that. Like everyone always messes that up, and he's like so mad at his parents for doing that to him. But it is Ian Eagle. <laughs> But yeah, so Ian's been doing the Nets for about 25, 30 years, I think. And Noah's actually joining the broadcast team this year. He's doing about 10 games with them. So he's one of my best friends. We were in college together. We were roommates, graduated in the same class. And I was with him the other day, and we were talking hoops with some of our other friends. And I, coming into the season, guys, like you said, you're kind of down on the Mavs this year. So was I. I'm, I was sort of ready to sell my Lucas stock. And part of the reason is because what we've seen with James Harden. And I just feel like for a guy who's that ball dominant or heliocentric is kind of the buzzword to use, whose usage rate is at like 40%, they're dribbling 15, 20 seconds per possession. I just think it's hard to win a title with a guy like that because uh, it's hard for the other dudes to stay engaged. With that being said, Luke has been in a Western Conference final. In the playoffs, he's been an amazing performer, but I was just sort of tired of it, like the constant bitching to the refs and you know, taking every shot. I'm like, I think I'm out on Luca this year. And Noah was like, dude, just wait till you see him in person. Because Noah called games for the Clippers on the radio the last four years. So he's seen a ton of Luca. And he's like, if you like, just wait, wait till you see him in person. It's so different. I thought that was interesting because Luca, he's the, he's one of the last guys I would expect you to say that about because he's not crazy athletic or he's not athletic mm -hmm. in the traditional way we think. Like Giannis, as James Harden described him, is the run and jump man or the run and dunk man or whatever. <laughs> Giannis, you see him in person, looks like the Incredible Hulk. He actually dressed up as him for Halloween. He's faster than everybody. He's bigger than everybody. He jumps higher than everybody. And I would assume that that's amazing to watch in person. But Luke is different with his timing and his subtle strength, his wide strong base now that's kind of sounding like a pause moment but luca like i, I was gonna i was yeah. gonna say go ahead drew just call he's him thick, you know? <laughs> yeah but he like he's never out of control either and i think he's amazing to watch on tv and I, i'm excited to watch him in person and I, I think like i'm ready to admit defeat you know being out on luca going into the season as they've started four and oh um and then obviously like look i know celtics fans aren't going to like to hear this but Kyrie Irving is pretty amazing to watch play basketball for as much as, you know, his off the court stuff is confusing and frustrating and sometimes infuriating. And for as much as, you know, I, I think ever since he left Cleveland, you know, he's sort of been a wanderer. He is pretty amazing mm. to watch play basketball. And there's a reason that NBA players love playing with him and love watching him. And so I, I'm just excited to watch him play and try to forget about all the other bullshit and just go back to like when he was in his early 20s and when he was Uncle Drew, how fun that was to watch. So him and Luca, like that, that's going to be a blast. Plus, we get to see Grant Williams, and I'm sure he'll have some work for his former teammates. <laughs>
Yeah, man, Kyrie's insane to watch in person. Will and I were at the um, the Philly Boston Christmas Day game back in twenty. What was that? 2018? 20, 2019? It had to be. It had to be. 2019 maybe yeah Yeah. and um you know Kyrie that was one of his best games in Boston going up against Embiid Ben Simmons was still on the Sixers at that point we were getting in Ben Simmons head that game (laughs) because we my uh my brother-in-law uh and my my sister they used to work for the Red Sox and my brother-in-law now he's the president or VP of uh, PR for the Phillies so he got us some like really good seats right behind the Celtics bench and we were just heckling Ben Simmons. Okay, Marcus Smartak in Ben Simmons head cuz usually he's taking up all the real estate in his own head. <laughs> yeah. So good for you for getting right? in there. Yeah, I remember Marcus at one point turned and like kind of like nodded at us like, "Yes, keep going, oh, yeah. keep going." It was pretty great. But uh Kyrie was amazing that game. He's unbelievable to watch live, but Embiid as well. Mm. When you see him and like the sheer size of a human being that he is, man, like he towers above everybody. Obviously, he's got like 3 inches of hair that that kind of helps yeah. with that, but he like he's such a load. He's massive. Speaking of pause moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another another pause. Uh, <laughs> he he's massive and I think his his girth, pause, his girth, it's also <laughs> incredible just watching it on TV. So I'm excited to see that in person. You know, of course, didn't get a chance to see that in the preseason because Embiid didn't play and, and neither did Harden. Mm-hmm. But going back to Wemby, not to, you know, turn every conversation to him. Did you see the photo of him standing next to Kevin Durant? They, he makes him it, it, it he does. makes him look like a fifth grader. Like, what are we looking <laughs> at? So I'm, I'm excited to see the Spurs play the Sixers. Because you're right, dude. Embiid is a monster of a person, and Wemby's going to have like three inches on him, I think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's the pause. That's the natural pause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, there you go. But now let's let's take it back to the to the Celtics here for a second. And I know you you mentioned the preseason, right? And that's kind of where you were getting some of your you know your your warm ups in, so to speak. Yeah. And it, it felt like you know Peyton Pritchard, obviously preseason P, was having a big preseason, so there was a lot of a lot of calls involving Peyton Pritchard. You know, at some point we got down the line of some double entendres, some Druisms yeah. that were being sure. calculated, but. Love the jerseys. I, I, I kind of want to look forward here. You know, like I said, we're recording this on November third. We're coming up on uh, on the holiday season, and so I, I'm going to suspect that you've got something in store with Drew Holiday for the next month and a half, two months or so. T- t- tell us a little bit about what what you've been thinking about, or or is this all improv that we're watching here, dude? Dude, I can't spoil anything. Are you kidding me? We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, I gotta try. I gotta try. You gotta, keep, you gotta ask. Keep the. Uh, Keep the blanket over the car and then we'll unveil it and hopefully people like what they see. Uh, I do have some things cooking for for Drew. Uh, he has a name that lends itself to puns, I would say, even his first name as well, because Drew, as I've learned myself, rhymes with pretty much everything. So there, there's some stuff that, that we're cooking up. Um, I think the whiteout has been my favorite 
so far, that's the one where I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, man, we might have something with this because he. he- <laughs> so when when did you when did you think was that an improv moment or did, did you do you have like a list of things that you might want to say on a broadcast? I can't remember when that one. Ha- I think I might have been watching a home game that that Mike was calling, and I'm like, man, everybody mm-hmm. thinks about or everybody calls a block like an eraser, like a guy who blocks a lot of shots. You'll hear that, and. And I was thinking we got to come up with something for Derek White. And, and obviously the last name just lends itself to that. So that was no. And to answer your question, most of it is actually not improv, I would say. I'm, I'm not quick enough on my feet or smart enough to think of that stuff in the moment. So a lot of it, and this is actually something that going back to Ian Eagle, I, I think I've picked up a little bit from him. He is so smart and so subtle with how he works in that wordplay. And it's kind of a mm. wink to the audience. And if, if someone at right. home gets it it's like in the avengers where captain america's like i understood that reference so i think about <laughs> when he was when Ian was calling a, a san diego state game in the ncaa tournament they they had a great run this year made it to the championship mm-hmm. he there are two guys on that team who i think about one of them is nathan mensa who's actually in the league i think we played against him in the preseason i think he's in charlotte now big man nathan mensa and then the other guy his last name is seiko s-e-i-k-o so for mensa you know, if you've ever heard of the Mensa Society, it's these people who have an IQ we're, we're of 40, of course. Right? I mean, you can't say that because it's a secret, but I, I know you two gentlemen are in the Mensa Society. <laughs> um, and I just said, like, a smart play from Mensa. It's like, I see you. I see you, I, and I know what you're doing there. And then Seiko is a watch brand, and it's spelled the same way. And so Seiko scores. He goes, Seiko, on time. And then uh, there's, there's <laughs> a player good. from Xavier named Sule Boom, and he goes to break with Boom Goes the Dynamite. And so stuff like that, you know, I just Amazing. think that that's fun. And it, it gives the, the viewer at home something where they can feel like they're sort of part of the show. Um, again, like that's something nerdy that I would say to my friend. So I, I like coming up with that stuff. And, and another aspect of that, guys, is, you know, you're, you're calling a game or you're calling games for an entire season. It's easy for it to get monotonous. Like you can only say mm-hmm. Tatum and Brown so many times. You can come up with someone like El Fuego. Like here we go. Yeah. That, to me, that adds a little spice to it. No, that's so when you when okay. you were roommates with uh, with Noah, did you guys sit around and like <laughs> practice calling games together? <laughs> no, no, bro. But there are people who do that at Syracuse. Like the the reputation of the the dork who goes to Syracuse and only wants to do this one thing is is pretty apt, I would say. So when did you know that this was kind of the future? Because like you said, Syracuse is very well known. It's basically Syracuse and Northwestern is where almost it feels like bro. 90% of all how, broadcasters how dare you, how are, are born from. Northwestern in the state Had to get a reaction out of you. But yeah. when do you know that this is what you want to do? Like Because like you said, Syracuse is so known for this thing. Did you enter Syracuse? Like this is the path that I'm taking and it's something you'd already started thinking about in high school or, or when does that acknowledgement happen? Yeah, I knew I wanted to do something in sports media when I went to college. That's how I ended up there. It's funny you brought up the Ringer podcast earlier because Bill Simmons is one of my biggest influences, I would say. And I hope I get a chance to meet him through this job because he's obviously a huge fan. I'm sure you will. Dude, Dude, I was pissed the other day. He was was tweeting about the Wizards broadcast and how like Drew Gooden was basically blaming the loss on Daniel Gafford being out. 
I'm like, Bill, why are you watching the Wizards, bro? Like, <laughs> tune into the local broadcast, Boston guy. He's got League Pass. We know the streams work on both. So yes, he's always talking about his League Pass. He and Rafael. he'll he'll find you eventually, I, Drew. I he'll find so. you eventually. It, it's tough, dude. It's tough for a lot of people, like we were saying, to move away from Mike. I think yeah. th- I think a lot of people will get there, but I'm I'm sure it's very tough. Right. So hopefully we we win him over one day. Uh, but I, I bring him up because. You know, I, I would go home from school and I'd open up grantland.com. Like I would bookmark it on my laptop and just go to the homepage. It's like what I imagine people used to do with newspapers. Just sit down, crack it open and see what piques your interest. That's what I did with Grantland. And so around that time, I started taking a journalism class in high school and I sort of fell in love with it. I really love my teacher. I, 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 I kind of realized like for the first time that this could be a job talking about sports. And that was what I love to do anyway. <laughs> So took a journalism class, reading Bill Simmons, watching Pardon the Interruption and Around the Horn. Those, those are all writers on those shows. And so I wanted right. to be a writer going to college. And I did some research on the best journalism schools. And obviously, Northwestern was nowhere to be found because that's not, <laughs> not a good journalism program. Um, and so Syracuse <laughs> kept popping up everywhere. And orange is my favorite color. I'm like, maybe this is meant to be. Uh, I lucked out getting into the journalism program, which I still don't know how that happened. Kind of like the Celtics job. I don't know how that was possible. There might have been some bribery involved somewhere and uh, got in, loved it, got a chance to do a bunch of radio and TV. And it's I sort of fell into the broadcasting side because, like I said, I wanted to write. And I, I remember sending a long LinkedIn message to the sports editor of the Daily Orange, which was our newspaper. And I'm like, I basically called him like Mr. Sir. And I was like, I just want to do, he's like, I'm in college, bro. Like cool it with all the formalities. Um, but that's what I wanted to do. And then I, I went to an interest meeting for the radio station, met the right people, tried out play by play and fell in love with it. And uh, that's, that's all I've ever wanted to do since then. Well, we're when excited you to develop- have you here, man. Oh, go ahead, Greg. Can, can I ask one more question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Then we'll go to the fast break. Okay. When did you like develop the voice? Cause I feel like you have a pretty classic, uh, unique sounding either radio or TV voice. Is that something you had to like really work on? Or was it, were people just like, Hey bro, you got a radio voice. So you got a TV voice. A lot of it I would say is fake it till you make it. Like I, I think, and the interesting thing about that, and thank you, by the way, that that's, that's kind of you to say, I mean, part of it, I do feel like not to get like philosophical or anything, but I do sort of feel like this is the thing that I was, you know, meant to do, I guess, or at least this is a thing that I'm best Mm -hmm. at. And this is where I can maybe make an impact, I hope, by, you know, enhancing the experience for people watching their favorite team and their favorite sports. But with that being said, I, I didn't always sound like, you know, I was ready to be on the air. I can actually, I still have all these clips of myself in college saved. Um, and, And the way we, the way you do it at Syracuse is there's a student radio station called WAER which is an NPR station in Syracuse. And the sports department is entirely run by students, um, which is an amazing opportunity. We get to call football, men's hoops, and men's lacrosse, which is a big deal in Syracuse. But you don't get to go on the air right away. Like a lot of colleges, you show up as a freshman, you're the only guy who wants to do it, and you start calling the games right away. That's obviously not the case at Syracuse because everybody who's there wants to call games. So there's a pretty long process for how you get clear to go on the air. Part of that is writing practice sports updates that you then show to an upperclassman and they give you some pointers and then you come back and you do it again. Um, And in that time, naturally, you start to get more comfortable in front of a microphone. 
And what I tell people all the time is you just need to get as many reps as possible. Like that's the number one piece of advice for anyone in college or anyone who wants to do this for a living. You just got to do it because like anything in life, the more you do it, the better you'll be. So if I pull these up right here, like I got sportscast from 2015 September. Good morning, John. Well, don't look now, but the Syracuse football team is in first place in the ACC after beating Wake Forest 30 to 17 on Saturday. Can you hear that? Completing eight of his 13 pass attempts for 221 yards and a pair of touchdowns, which came from 89 and 53 yards out. So obviously, it sounds like a robot. It sounds like I, compared to like how you sound now, that sounds as if I let my phone go to voicemail and someone's yeah. trying to sell me like car insurance, but like in a, in a very robotic manner. <laughs> Horrible, right? Horrible. And like, that was literally me like holding up my phone to the, the speaker in the studio. Cause I didn't realize I could send myself the file. Um, but like, <laughs> maybe this one sounds Thanks, John. like, listen, Syracuse this. men's basketball fans have to update their schedules for this weekend. What the hell is that? That's so bad. <laughs> That's so bad. So we're, we're, when you were doing that, were you like, in were you like I all right? This is what I think somebody should sound like, or is that more your neutral voice back in the day? Because that almost sounds like you're trying to you're trying to imitate mm -hmm. an NPR host. Yes, no, you're so right. That's one hundred percent true, Greg. I, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, I obviously just sounded a lot younger. Like I I think I was yeah. mid puberty as a freshman in college, which you know, <laughs> yikes. Um, but I also think I I didn't know what I was doing, and I was trying to imitate other people and. That's another reason why getting the reps is so valuable is you can find your own voice um, and, you know, doing the the radio and TV in college. Like I was basically doing something on the air every day and just through repetition and, you know, hitting up my mentors and saying, hey, what do you think of this? What could I do better? That's why Syracuse pumps out so many people who end up on the air. Uh, it's because of, you know, the infrastructure that's in place and people helping out the people coming after them. Dude, this has been a great conversation, and I think there's a lot more that we need to talk about. So you said you want to come for Amina's record, so I'm going to leave <laughs> a little bit more for us to bring you back on here later in the season. But we do this every time with our first-time guests that we have on okay. the show here, and we're going to put you through what we call the Green with Envy Fast Break. So we're going to put 60 seconds on our highly advanced cell phone that I have in my hand here. Put 60 it is highly advanced. Highly to be advanced. fair, that's a highly it advanced is, piece of technology. <laughs> we'll put 60 seconds on the clock. Greg and I are going to go back and forth asking you quick hitting questions. Yes, no, true, false, name this, you know, some real quick answers. And then we're going to trap you into a take that you never wanted to commit to. And that's going to be living with you for the rest of your life when I cut it up in five cuts. <laughs> that sound good? That's great. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's fire it up, Greg. We'll start with you here. We got 60 seconds on the clock in three, two, go. Who the fuck is Drew Kyle? <laughs> Guess we'll find out. The GOAT announcer is... Vin Scully, my personal favorite, Jason Benetti, the voice of the Chicago White Sox, and a Syracuse guy. Give me your best Ted Lasso impression, any character. Phoebe, nice fucking work. <laughs> that was great. Favorite Celtic name to pronounce. Svimi Hailuk, which is different in Ukrainian <laughs> and English, by the way, which makes my job tough. We'll go Svimi Hailuk. Most iconic Boston sports call. 
Kovalchuk stole the ball. Describe Scal in one word. Different. Last one. When, when Drew Carter gets nervous, he relies on... Hot tea with throat coat is the uh, tea bag I use. Pause. Uh, honey and a cough drop that I drop into the tea. And I know we're going over the time here, so hopefully there's no buzzer. Oh, we're way over the time. And we've given yeah. Cameron and May so much free advertisement <laughs> throughout this entire show. <laughs> I also, during the national anthem, I do like a breathing exercise that calms me down a little bit. Um, so those those are the big things. Meditation is key. I, I'm a big proponent of that. I think everyone should do it. Okay. Well, well now that we've gone long, I have one, uh, one additional question I'm going to throw. Usually Greg's the, the uh, one thing king here. Got one extra thing he's always got to throw in there. Sure. But... What I was going to ask you is, does Drew Carter have his own how now brown cow? Do you have your own vocal <laughs> warm up that 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 you go through that you can let us in on? Yes, there are five sentences that I will go to if I feel like I need to work on my enunciation. Uh, put the peanut butter on the bread before placing it in the paper bag. Gwen grew green <laughs> grapes and glorious guava in her grand garden. The sun was shining on Sharon Street, where I saw Shane and Sarah sitting near the shoe shop. The keen king gave the queen a pink and green ring. The tiny two-toed tree-toed descended down the tree trunk to catch dinner. Those are the five. And those are from an app Hell called yeah. Elevate that I have a subscription to, which is like stuff to keep your brain sharp. Because like I said, guys, I want to be doing this for, I don't know, 50 years. So I got to keep it sharp if I can do that. All right, free promo for Elevate. I'm going to go download that app as soon as uh, as soon as we get off here. Drew, we really appreciate you joining us here, man. Um, I know we're coming up on a road trip here. So like I said, we're recording on Friday. Uh, this will drop on YouTube right after. So if it's be up on YouTube on Friday, this will be dropping as a podcast form uh, either Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, anything that you can let the people know about following you on Twitter or any anything you want to say to the audience here before we before we sign off? Yeah, hit me up on social media. Droodle25 is my handle, Drew, D-L-E-2-5. That's what happens when you have a basic name that's spelled in a boring way. I'm not like Drew Holiday, even though I made my Twitter in, in uh, middle school, actually. Middle school, high school, whatever. Long time ago, I still couldn't get at Drew Carter. So I'm at Drew, D-L-E-2-5. And yeah, to the fans, man, like I'm just excited. And I, I appreciate the people who have sent nice messages because as I said, like, I know the the shoes I'm trying to fill here and I know the relationship that the fans have with Mike. So I don't expect it to be immediate, but I just hope that people have as much fun watching as, as we have being there. Love it, man. Love it. Greg, any, any final thoughts here before we, uh, we send the crowd out? Well, you'll drew, you'll at least get like our friend group that tunes into every episode. They'll at least now be on your side. If they were indifferent, if they were on the fence, you now have them in your corner. We're rooting for you, man. I think you're doing a great job. Um, and with that, we're going to send you out for our podcast listeners with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimists, and this one is called Get This High. Peace, everybody. Peace out. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. It's only take much no more until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find It don't take much no more Until I'm at your door You cut me to my core, baby 
what can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.